All right. Oh, well, whatever. We should have talked about what we're going to talk about, but Slim can just cut this out. Welcome back to the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh Schaefer. It's the offseason. The NFL draft just happened, so... You know, I'm not joined by my other co-host. Draft season is not his time of year, but it's a great time to bring on two of the frequent Dynasty podcast guests. Matt Kinney. Matt, say hi. Hello. And of course, Michael Wood. Hey, boys. It's good to have you both on here. You know, typically I feel like in the last couple or at least last year, we had a bit more action pre-draft in terms of, you know, speculating on the prospects. I think for me personally this year, I was just like, I can't put that much effort into it before the NFL draft because it all gets turned on his head when draft day comes. And I'm sure had we done the same thing again this year, watching Will Levis drop to 33, watching Charbonnet go in the second round as a backup to our starter to Kenneth Walker, everything would have just been totally fucked. So I'm glad we've waited until after the draft for our first, you know, summary of what is going on for these incoming rookies so what we want to start off today with you know was a riveting three days of nfl draft i loved it um but there's been a lot that's happened for the fantasy world these 2023 picks we finally have the landing spots we have the talent there's been a lot of changes so mike i want to hear from you first what was your general reaction to the draft the last three days for me i think the NFL draft caused my view on our fantasy draft to get flipped going into it. I thought that for our fantasy draft, you know, excluding the top, you know, three to five picks, which should always be strong. I expected the first round to be uh, just so, so you kind of make your way through it, but then you get to the second and third round and there's like, Whoa, some good value here and there throughout those rounds. And, you know, after landing spots and draft capital got sorted out, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like picks one through eight, one through 10 are really solid. Then second and third round, I feel like suddenly lost a lot of value, which I hate to say, cause uh, you know, I, I'm involved there and you guys are as well. So um, that was my takeaway is that um, really thinned out here as you get 10, 20, 30 deep uh, with the drafted players. Yeah, seven of the uh, 10 second round picks are on this podcast right now uh, between the <laughs> three of us. So it was potentially a dark day, I think you could say, for second round picks. I, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I honestly probably wouldn't even go as far as like the first 10 picks of the first round like being good. I honestly think after like the first six, maybe seven, Matt's holding up seven right now, that it gets like you almost just have to get your guy. But that's one thing I kind of like about this draft is I've been like, you know, going through the stages of grief after these garbage running back landing spots and just like really bad wide receiver prospects is it's going to be a year of like getting your guy, like how much work have you put into it to like understand which person is going to be the best at their fit, at their talent, you know, who the right pick is. Cause last year I felt like, the board was pretty standard, you know, but this year I think between two different people, like you're going to have totally different opinions on draft boards. Matt, what did you think about the draft this year? Obviously you were heavily impacted by the happenings. 
Yeah, especially being a dude who fits in. Like, I was really excited to be at six. I picked two, 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 four. I was like, man, three picks in prime time areas. I was like, depending on how things shake, I'm going to get a lot of guys. Like, three guys I feel really excited about. And now I'm like, I might get one person I'm, like, pleasantly pleased with. Um, No, to kind of echo what you guys said, it just felt like teams that – could have used skill position guys didn't take the high level skill position guys. And then teams that didn't necessarily need a running back or a wide receiver took some of those more higher profile players. Like I just think about like Cedric Tillman was a guy that I was really keeping an eye on in the draft as like somebody maybe in the second round. And then he goes to Cleveland. And it's like right off the bat, he's behind Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and he gets to compete. David Bell. And he gets to compete with David Bell for the fourth (laughs) spot. Njoku is going to be getting catches ahead of whoever wide receiver four is. So it's like throw him off the table. Like even the top end guys like JSN and Quentin Johnston both got drafted by teams who have set in stone number one and number twos. It's like, okay, the first round guys are sliding in at number threes. Like, there's no, there was no wide receiver that got taken. It was like, yeah, this guy is the wide receiver one. And there was no running back that was drafted outside of Bijan that you could argue is like, this is definitively the lead running back on the team. Interesting. Yeah. From a fantasy perspective, it just sucked. It sucked. It was <laughs> last year. The draft was so much fun to watch, like from a fantasy perspective, like the wide receivers were flying early and often in the first and in the early second. And they were all guys who were, you know, you were feeling really good about it. And maybe it's because I was more invested last year, you know, ahead of the draft. I think that had something to do with it. Like a lot of these guys, like, for example, Jonathan Mingo is a good example. You know, I had heard of him maybe in the last two weeks, but not a whole lot before then. And he's going like 39th overall pick. You know, there's some really, there's a lot of research that I need to do. And by I need to, I mean, I need to find people who I trust to do the research for me. But it was a, it was a wild ride. Mike, I feel like you're about to say something. Yeah. Jonathan Mingo is kind of the perfect example of something I was going to get into. I feel like I, I made this into three buckets when I was looking into the draft of what makes it kind of bad for fantasy. One, you had players that we thought were irrelevant, like Jonathan Mingo, that suddenly get put into a place where it's like, crap, do I have to treat this person as irrelevant still, or are they suddenly important to what I might be doing in the draft? Second yeah. bucket is you have guys uh, just landing poorly in draft capital or situation. So like Zach Evans, people thought he was you know a sleeper. Seventh round, looks like he's already done before it gets started. Uh, Will Levis, from a first-round quarterback perspective, you know, he falls. And then you have a third category of just, like, uh, medical health concerns that kind of, you know, push back expectations for certain players. Um, Spears, drafted by the Titans, apparently doesn't even have an ACL in one of his legs. Um, I have been reading that. Sean Tucker, who I was excited about, um, especially <laughs> after watching the boilers uh, lose to him. Um, you know, he apparently has a heart problem. So between um, irrelevant guys getting boosted up, relevant guys getting dropped down and then medical conditions for certain players. I feel like we got all three categories just hammering away at uh, any draft value kind of in the middle rounds. It's going to be a situation where you just have to get your guy 
right? Like you'll have the second round picks and you'll have to have your own big board. And, you know, I feel like it's going to make these mocks we probably do in our podcast even less reliable than they were last year, just because you really can't reveal who your guy is because there's a good chance he could be there at like two, two, he could be there at two ten, right? Like if you're, you know, for example, a fan of Bigsby, you know, like he's going to have a whole range and a lot of these second, third round wide receivers, like they're, they, I feel like last year, what was really nice too is there was so much data to back up the receivers, like of like great college performers or, you know, breakout ages this year there's just a whole mix across the board of like guys who are up and down really and matt it goes back to something you said where you don't feel like there's like a clear-cut wide receiver one i'd like to like hear a little bit more about for me i feel like it's jsn no doubt in my mind where are you at on this i wasn't i wasn't saying like there's not a clear-cut wide receiver one i was saying like when drake london got drafted we all knew he was the number Mm -hmm. one wide receiver in atlanta Garrett yes. Wilson to the Jets, like the number one wide receiver or like the one A to a one B kind of situation. It's like JSN is clearly number three. Johnston is clearly number three. Addison, number two. Zay Flowers, honestly, number three behind Mark Andrews and on probably Odell. Like, I don't even know. Maybe even behind Rashad Bateman. Like, in all actuality, the only wide receiver I can make an argument for that could be slotted in as the number one guy on their team. Didn't Jalen Hyatt go to the Giants? Yeah. yeah I think that's... Mingo, Mingo, right, went to the Panthers, right? Yeah, I mean. Mingo did go to the Panthers, so. I don't know. Thielen and Chark, I, I feel like it's it's the same level of competition, though. Yeah, there's no certainty around it. Right. Like, you got guys who have been there and, like, performed eh. And then you throw on a rookie and it's like, are they the the clear cut number one? No. So it's like, where's the, there's no direct pathway to volume that those receivers are going to see. You look at the running back situation and it's like the lions, I don't know what they were thinking. Every other team that I was hoping would get a running back, like the Bengals, cause you don't know what's going on with Mixon. Like the saints took Kendra Miller, but you know, you have Kamara waiting in the wings the Vikings could trade Dalvin cook and all of a sudden the team that just drafted somebody doesn't need their guy anymore. Or, you know, there's a lot of landscape and like moving pieces that just doesn't make you feel good about the quality of, not to say the quality of football players down, but the, that dynasty and the fantasy production outlook just is very murky. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, we thought, I think for the three of us, we definitely thought the draft would bring some clarity into these second round, like these set day two RBs of like, well, maybe half of them will get like good landing spots. I don't think any of them got, I like the only person who I think got a good landing spot is Bijan. And that's because pretty much wherever he went was going to be a pretty good landing spot, more or less. Like he was going to be the guy, um, but I, you know, I, I just think it, it's just going to be down to your prospects and honestly a big luck factor too of like, does the guy that's there get injured or do they not trade for a guy? And that is a, it's not very fun, honestly, to be in that place, especially as like draft fans. And maybe it's because I haven't dug in as much, but it just kind of, it's a little bit depressing. I feel like after the the draft, the hype is at an all time low, I think for 2023. 
the other piece that irritates me is I felt like the 2020, like this class was hyped up way more than last year's class. Like everyone was, oh, 20, you know, whatever, when 2023, class 2023 is like where it's at. Like we got all these receivers, we got all these running backs, like the quality is there. And then it was just a dud. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it's just, I mean, and we'll probably come around, right? Like we're at the pit, of, we're at the the valley of picks. You know, we'll get a little bit of like preseason action. We'll see some guys out there on the field, you know, and you'll, and you'll see some people uh, hopefully put on a show to where you want to, you're not like dreading having to take them in your draft. Also these dumb fucking tight ends, because we hate like tight ends are so useless in our league, right? Like, and, and you don't want to take them in rookie drafts. Like you don't want to, this is a, this is a point to go to tight end premium because you see three tight ends go in the late first, early second. And you're like, Oh shit, am I going to have to take them at like the end of the second round? I really don't want to, but I might feel like I have to. Yeah. It's obviously it's a valuable position. If you can finally hit on somebody, um, you know, you're unlikely to have a Travis Kelsey pop up, but you know, you feel good if you draft somebody that ends up becoming just a dependable week by week starter. But the problem is you draft them here in 2023 and you might be waiting two to three years for that to really pay off. Um, you could still maintain the same level of conviction in your pick, but boy, that investment just takes a lot longer than uh, these other positions. And it only pays off if they become a Travis Kelsey or a Mark Andrews. Like a great example is TJ Hawkinson, you know, somebody who had elite draft capital and is a fine tight end. George Kittle, same way, fine tight end. But you're just not like, you're not going to shell out anything because there's really no, like the position doesn't bring value unless you have one of the absolute elite guys. You know, there's not that big of a difference between a Hawkinson or Kittle and, uh, you know, Zach Ertz or, uh, Pat Fryermuth, right? Those kind of guys are all in the same bunch. Well, either of you two have any other reactions uh, about the actual draft uh, that we haven't covered thus far? We haven't talked about QBs, so if you have thoughts there. Yeah, I I do think Will Levis remains a very interesting prospect. Not that I personally believe in him, but um, him missing out on day one draft capital just to end up going to the Titans who seem like they are probably one of the best teams equipped to, you know, train him and mold him into um, their ideal quarterback. So his up and down was volatile over like a 24 to 40 out 48 hour period. Um, but I, I, I can make the logical argument for him working out as a prospect, just as much as the, these other QBs, um, despite him going around later. So, um, you know, I'm not giving too much thought to any of the late round QBs, but at the top end, um, I feel like everybody went where they were supposed to go except for Levis, and he kind of remains the interesting storyline for, I think, the rest of the summer. That was interesting that Mike Vrabel in a presser said, Ryan Tannehill is our number one, Malik Willis is the second string, and Will Levis will be the third string quarterback this time on Monday after Monday, it's all up to them on where they go. And 
as the current owner of Malik Willis, like I have no faith that he's even going to be on the team come July. Like he's going to be a practice squad member probably. But the idea that like Tannehill might be the starter versus Levis being, you know, overtaking him at some point, like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me on whether or not he can become that guy. In a reality, if Derrick Henry stays there, like the Tennessee quarterback doesn't have to do a whole lot. You just hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and on like the occasional play action play, throw it to Traylon Burks. Hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a good chance. I can't believe Malik Willis is so bad. I guess the NFL was right about him, but you know, it's a good time to be uh, Will Levis, I guess, if you want a chance to start, but I don't know if you feel great about only having Traylon Burks. I forget the name of their tight end. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but, and then you have Kyle Phillips too, but not three weapons. You're like, this is, that's a bottom of the barrel, like receiving core. So Robert Wood still in Tennessee. Maybe I don't know. Bottom of the barrel. Two torn ACLs. Yeah, exactly. I so, will say shout out, shout out to the other eight quarterbacks that got taken in rounds two, three, four, five or whatever it was like then they say like 12 quarterbacks were taken in five rounds like the most in any draft i did not know that that's interesting stetson bennett to the rams is kind of intriguing tanner mckee to the saints <laughs> is intriguing aiden o'connell to the raiders mike o'connell aka tom brady according to <laughs> tom brady certain twitter voices he has the release <laughs> of tom brady if only he had every single other skill, then, you know, maybe makes the second round. Yeah. I remember just him having a gross little mustache. That's kind of like my prevailing picture of him. Right. I'll tell you what, if Matt Ryan can, you know, continue to get starts this late into his career where he just stands and takes hit in the, hits in the pocket, I've seen AOC do that for like three years now. So, um, well, let's be real. Garoppolo's going to get hurt. In some fashion. Yeah. He just has to out outplay Jarrett Stidham. Surprisingly difficult. The Broncos. Yeah. Oh, he is? Well, never mind. Oh, really? He have to. I believe so. Who's their backup? Is it Aiden O'Connell? AOC, I guess. Yeah. Wow. How far we've come. <laughs> well, I think it's a good time to transition to the team league impacts. I think we've touched on it a little bit, you know, looking at the second round. Um, draft capital and we'll do a mock at the end of this podcast just so you can kind of see where our fake thoughts are um so you can watch me take anthony richardson first overall um but you know we had quite a bit of impact in the league i think a lot of running backs that people were on the fence about you know like are they going to get hit by this incoming class that's so highly touted Basically, none of them got hit. And to my, to everyone's surprise, the people who did end up getting impacted by this so significantly were the running backs that we all felt were probably the most safe. Probably a good starting point. We have definitely the most impacted uh, team of our league from a running back perspective on the call. Matt getting hammered in the first and second round with Jameer Gibbs. And then you're recovering from that. You're like, okay, whatever. You know, I can't get any worse than this. Charbonnet, day two, going to the Seahawks. How are you feeling? Uh, not great. Not great at all. The The Gibbs pick really confused me 
initially. And then like I was sitting there and I was like, well, it looks like Swift is gone. I really hope he doesn't go to another team where I have a running back. Like, cause that'd just be another drop <laughs> kick to the nuts. But um, I mean, I, uh, Dylan got bailed out. Freaking his team. No, every fucking time something happens, no speed bumps whatsoever for Mr. Shake just gets thrown into Philly. And no, now this passing offense is even more elite to just dump it off to him. But there's no, something to say, though, it could still be a committee there. I don't think it's like Swift all the way. I agree. Um, but Gibbs going to Detroit, like really puts a damper on Montgomery. I was kind of hope like my expectation for Montgomery was like, oh, he's going to be the first and second down guy you know, long passing situations. I'll give it to Swift, but he's still going to be the goal line kind of person. ESPN and like Lewis Riddick was just raving about Gibbs as this Swiss army night kind of dude. And honestly, I hope that they just use him as like a passing like slot guy and Montgomery can still be the normal running back, but I just feel like his volumes taken a beating. And then Charbonnet to Seattle was, I mean, it just dumbfounded me. Like, there was at least five teams where I was like, oh, if Charbonnet goes here, like he's going to get a lot of work, easily the third best running back in the class. And <clears throat> the only thing that like I've heard from analysts that's made me feel, feel somewhat kind of good is that like they've referred to years past when Pete Carroll has always had multiple quality running backs and they've gone – I don't want to say committee, but like this guy gets the majority of carries, but then, you know, if he's banged up, they always feel good about that safety net behind them. In the last couple of years, they've had so many injuries where it's like, they're just throwing out no names in the middle of the game. But I mean, I'm at a loss if they're going to go like every other series for the running back or if it's a 60, 40 kind of split or who gets the goal line stuff. And uh, I just don't feel good about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this into my biggest takeaway uh, from the running back situation is just how lucky Dylan is. I mean, I know we think that Swift could still be in a committee sort of situation, but I mean, to be honest with you, Swift gained value over a 48-hour period after being drafted over by a top 15 pick. I mean, that is insane. The one night where people could try to steal Swift, uh, you know, before the second round, he Dylan's got exam prep, so he's not even going to respond to trade requests. So, um, I mean, stars align. Then you have Damian Pierce, who honestly, the stars were aligning for this to be a classic guy who shows up for one year as a day three running back, gets drafted over. Or, you know, has a big free agent sign with his team even before the draft. Neither of those things happen. So, I mean, just Dylan, you know, sweeping the running back category again. Um, and Tony Pollard. No Cowboys running back drafted right. either. Yeah. So, uh, it's just, I, I don't know why he keeps getting away with this. Um, it must be all the time he gets <laughs> in. Um I have no other explanation. I don't know if you guys do. I mean, he studies more than any of us do, whether that be for fantasy or exams, you know, who knows what he's spending his time on. I will say Bigsby is not like necessarily 
it's not like a huge blow to value, but I do think it does cap Etienne a little bit. Like I do think it's like Bigsby is a, I think one of the guys, if he would have gotten really good draft capital could have, you know, jumped into the first round uh, of the, of our dynasty draft. If he would have been in like, if he would have gotten a better landing spot in the third round. So that does hurt a little bit, but yeah, nothing compares to what Matt had to endure on night one. You know, fortunately, Matt, I think your big win was trading into to get 1.6 because I think 1.6 is the cutoff range for me personally. Like after 1.6, it's, I think I, I like Addison, I'm like second, you know, wide receiver to upside at the high end. Like that's his peak in my opinion, especially playing with Justin Jefferson, same with Zay flowers, you know, Quentin Johnston probably has the only wide receiver one ceiling of the players, but a weird path to getting there. And also TCU and like a kind of a weird production profile in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, Matt, you, you definitely took the biggest hit, but at least you have the great pick right now. Cause one six, you'll either get, JSN or Gibbs. And I think either of those guys, you're pretty happy getting there right now, which, you know, you know, in terms of the Charbonnet Walker, is your like, are you wanting to like own the backfield? Like, is that your dream scenario? Or are you kind of like, I want to just bet on my guy and go with it? I mean, I'd, I'd love to just stick with Walker, but if it, if it comes to it, I feel like I would like to own at least one of those backfields, whether it be Detroit or Seattle, you know, mm-hmm. that way I like know definitively, Hey, I have like barring injury. I have the starter on one of those teams. Um, but I will, I will also add to this. I did get hit pretty hard in both of those spots, two other spots where I have running backs, like Bear didn't get touched at all because the Chiefs did not draft a running back. That is a big win. That was a big win for you. And getting getting Pacheco, shout out to Colin. Thank you for making that deal. He's the one with Algier now that has now been overshadowed by Bijan. So sorry about that. But Pacheco didn't get touched. And all indications point that Cam Akers is still going to be RB1 for the Rams. So half of my running back room didn't get hurt. <laughs> Probably the worst half, though. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> the wrong half. Yeah, for sure. Well, your running backs uh, made it made it safe on the like we said on the on the other half, Matt, which is you know uh, a a reward that is well deserved, I think, for how punished you got on your RB one and RB two. Um, Mike, I know you mentioned a couple other teams that you think were getting uh, kind of punished by draft night. Talk about this. Yeah, I'm gonna steal a, just a a phrase from Brian's email that he sent to the league. Uh, so two teams that I, I thought suffered from death by a thousand cuts, so to speak, were on uh, good and Tommy. Um, just going to read through, you know, a handful of players from each team that I thought got hurt in some sort of way. So you start with Tommy. I mean, all of his receiver room receiving room, I feel like got uh, hurt in subtle ways. So uh, St. Brown in Detroit, a uh, new pass catching option, not only in the tight end they drafted, but uh, Jameer Gibbs definitely is a threat there. You had Keenan Allen, who will lose some share to Quentin Johnston. Uh, Tyler Lockett losing share to JSN. 
Um, even Rashad Bateman losing share to Zay Flowers. And then you look over at Ongid's team, kind of a similar gist, uh, though, with some running backs impacted. You had uh, Dante Foreman in Chicago. He might lose out to Roshan Johnson, who they drafted from Texas. Uh, Kamara could face stiffer competition from uh, Kendra Miller. And then you look at the receivers. Um, he has the other Chargers receiver, Mike Williams, facing more competition from a drafted player. Um, Terrace Marshall, if you believe in Terrace Marshall, um, gets crowded out by Terrace Marshall 2.0 in Mingo. And then uh, Romeo Dubs in Green Bay also uh, getting drafted over to an extent. So, you know, none of those were like really high alert. This guy's totally getting replaced sort of situations, but it's still, um, you know, you'd start bringing in the, the ceiling of what these guys can do and that adds up. Uh, as you keep adding players onto that list. Those are, yeah, I mean, for all the luck Dylan has gotten, Ongood has been hit with the like opposite negative amount of luck for his team. I feel like everything that goes wrong for him, you know, can go wrong. But I think Tommy is also in the Dylan camp too, of just like anything that can go right. Like I'm sure all this will work out great for Tommy's team. Like, you know, Derrick Henry always, always does. He'll win another championship next year and then he'll figure it out from there. So yeah, those I feel I mean, I feel bad for Ongood. Like, I don't know. At a certain point, like, yes, the trades that he's made, you know, questionable as they may may be. I just don't know if this is like the way how unlucky he's gotten. I can understand why you would want to quit. Cause, you know, I I can definitely understand the unluckiness of fantasy football, but when your team is bad and you're getting unlucky, that's when it becomes like a miserable, no fun experience as opposed to like being good. You can, you know, call someone out for what you think is like a bad trade. um, If this is like something happening during the season, but none of us, we are all just subject to luck when it comes to the draft in terms of one of our players getting drafted over, maybe traded on draft night, something like that. So um, with that being totally out of your control, if certain teams get like a concentrated impact compared to others, um, you have to chalk it up to luck. There's no skill in predicting that or um, trying to avoid that. Yeah. Any other teams that you felt like Matt were negatively impacted? We haven't talked about already. I don't know that I have any that were like negatively impacted. Um, I think from a, like a positive standpoint, like guys that they should have a better outlook on what their team's currently sitting at. I feel like Colin got rel- like was relatively unscathed out of everything. Interesting. Um, I was going to say the opposite. So I want to hear yeah, why. Okay. No, no, I want to hear your perspective. I want to hear it. I just, I just think from like, I think about Russell Wilson, right? Like terrible quarterback here. Sean Payton coming in as a brand new coach. First pick, they invest in Marvin Mims to like give him another weapon, regardless what you think of Mims as a wide receiver. But I don't know. He's Javante coming back kind of bolsters that offense. Like I feel like the, the collective punch of his Bronco players looks a little bit better. Um, I mean, CD lamb, like Dallas didn't do anything on offense to change the makeup there. So CD all outlooks point to 
being the guy, I mean, I don't really remember a lot of people on Collins' team, but I was just thinking more of the Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah, yeah the Russell Wilson side of things. That is true. I mean, <clears throat> he did have some Russell Wilson, you know, John Mechie, I think the Texans Coming didn't back. invest in another receiver. So I think he has a good chance. I mean, I don't think we would say Nico Collins is like a, a for sure stud. He's like... It, this is the classic like bad wide receiver, but you're like, who else is going to catch balls? So maybe he'll end up being a good wide receiver. I think that is the route to success for him. Every um, year, he's a year from being a. He's like a year away from being there. So I mean, I don't think they can have a worse wide receiving core than they have <laughs> now. So this is the year that uh, Nico proves his worth. But my argument against. Uh, like why I think Colin had a tough draft and Brian mentioned it a little bit in his email too, but you know, as the Drake London holder, you know, and you just spent a lot of assets for him. I think you were hoping quite a bit that the Falcons would do something at the quarterback position. Not that Desmond Ritter is bad, but he's definitely not good enough to support Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and now Bijan Robinson. And so the combination of them not getting a quarterback and then he trades for Tyler Algier, and then they draft Bijan eighth overall. I mean, I think for him, Algier was kind of a like a nice RB three. Had a thousand yards last year. Like you like the volume, but I mean, he's he's a backup running back. The, his best case scenario is Bijan tears an ACL, and then he steps in to be the guy, which. Is good, you know, and then you have Kadarius Tony, Rishi Rice goes in the, uh, goes in the second round as well. Um, so just another piece of confusion for that Kansas City receiving room, and then the last piece, Mike touched on it with Alvin Kamara, um, but Kendra Miller going to the Saints, Jamal Williams, I think was a really nice piece with Alvin Kamara's likely suspension, but now you have this rookie coming in with a lot less mileage, and you know, personally, I think a decent prospect. Um, and some good opportunity there. So I don't know. Though I though I think Colin, I would put Colin maybe just a notch below the like between you and on good. And then I would say it's like Tommy and Colin for the next teams that were most impacted by the draft. But it was there, uh oh go ahead, Mike. Yeah, there was only one team that I um you know, we, we've just been talking about players here who we think are impacted. There's only one team where I, in my mind, I singled out an actual draft pick that we already kind of can visualize that got negatively impacted. Um, I mentioned that I think, you know, the second and third round in general took a hit, but you can't pin that down to one single pick. I think Sloan's 1.5, so the fifth pick in the draft, I think that value took a big hit with the way things played out. Um he's not been silent about his need for a QB. And that honestly would have been the perfect spot for Will Levis to go. Um, you know, if he, if Levis gets drafted in the top 10, top 15, here's a QB that everybody hates. Sloan won't care because he doesn't pay attention at all. So he'll draft him and be able to say that he got a first round QB. Um, but now with Levis not going uh, at a reasonable range, um, I think you now see that 1.05 drop in a lot of value, not only in general for the league, but specific to Sloan being the holder 1.05, a QB needy team. Um, 
I just don't see a way that any of those top three QBs uh, drop to him at five. I don't want to go back to back contrarian against you and Matt, but I think I'm Ooh, going okay. to have to here because I actually I like think for 1.5, this was a good draft personally, because now you don't get, especially as a QB needy team, like you don't get stuck having to take the fourth best quarterback. Like right now you're getting the second best. I might have this obviously freaking out, but you get the second best skill position player, which I think picking between JSN or Gibbs is going to be a pretty hard choice, but I think it's a clear cut, those two guys. And, you know, like if you were getting a QB drafted at like 20 or, you know, like maybe like nobody wants the fourth quarterback picked out of the four, right? I think it's good for Sloan because now he doesn't feel obligated to take Levis. If he wants him, I think he could trade back to like 1.10 and that 1.5 pick is going to be very valuable like to a lot of teams like maybe not the most to sloan but even if he wanted to trade 1.5 for you know a like i mean he has kirk cousins and jared goff but i'll say like it one of those sqbs maybe like a tua is a good example like you're probably taking 1.5 for tua straight up mike and you're you're feeling pretty good about that if you make that trade you're welcome for that inspiration but <laughs> <laughs> that's a win for Sloan because he gets a starting quarterback, potentially a top 15 one you're getting, uh, you don't have to, you know, stress about your picks and you're getting probably in my opinion, it's JSN that goes fifth overall because I'm trusting the process there over the draft capital. But so I get that he, I do like your point. He, he's forced into avoiding having to pick Levis there, which this is, is a gift nice. to him because he does not yes. follow fantasy enough to know that like, it's not worth taking the fourth quarterback there. Right. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it, I, I still don't love 1.05 from the skill position. Uh, I would just say the potential that could have been there. We had JSN go to the Seahawks when he was a pick away, probably from going to the chargers, which is like that vaults him into elite territory as a fifth pick or Gibbs you know what if he ends up on um, the Vikings or the Bengals and one of those teams cuts or trades their veteran running backs instead he goes into what's clearly a timeshare for at least the first two years so you know I the the ceiling of that pick I thought got brought down kind of from all angles what do you think Matt uh, I think I was really pissed off that the Seahawks took JSN at 20 <laughs> and that the Chargers didn't trade up to like 18 or 19 to go and get him. But um, I do think Sloan is in a unique position. It's also really interesting that like you look at the, the teams at the back, like post me at six, we got on good at seven. Again, Dylan. on good screwed. Oh, seven yeah. is not where you want to be. Well, so you got Ongood at seven, Dylan at eight. Is it? I think it's Colin at nine, Austin wow. at ten, Ongood again at eleven, like two one, pick eleven, mm-hmm. right? None of them necessarily like QB needy. I mean, Austin's going to get his QB at two, you know. But like, do any of them have the desires to move up to five? Like you said to take a JSN because of the, the name and the potential. And 
mean, Tyler Lockett's only got a couple of years. Like, it's not like he's a, a youthful receiver like DK. Um, you know, like it's going to be interesting between those four. Like, do any of them have the the guts and the nuts to try and pull a move with Sloan to move up, or does Sloan reach out to any of them to drop back to gain more capital? I just feel like Sloan's too much in the win now mindset to even consider anything else. Yeah. I mean, he might move back just because he's like, none of these players can help me win now because they're not going to put up a bunch of fantasy points. Yeah, that's true. I think Sloan moving back though, puts him in like his absolute hell where he actually has to understand the prospects, Mm -hmm. which I think it would be like for him. would be a mess he's that's why i think he's been gifted so much right now because these two guys two awesome prospects like people will want them this is the tier after one six in my opinion other people can think differently maybe qj is in there for some people like with the jsn mix to me it's those six and then it's off so you're welcome mike if you end up trading Tua for 1.5 i think that'd be a good deal for you and a good deal for him (laughs) well i'll i'll definitely at least field calls and see what people have to say yeah. And Sloan, you're welcome because that's like a sweet trade hook up there that I know you would not have looked into either. So I'm just I'm just here as the deal maker for everyone else. Cause I don't have a QB I can trade for 1.5. So that's the perks of having man. four quarterbacks, Mike. And plus two more that you're probably gonna get from the draft. Yeah. True. So any other teams you guys want to talk about impacted picks players, you know, we've hit on the second round, anything else that's top of mind for either of you. That does it for me. I think the only team I want to mention outside would be Brian who doesn't pick for the first time until three Oh, like three one. Like I feel like he was again, somebody who feels really good about availability of players and potential spots, like guys who could, he could wait a little bit on. And then like, you know, the outlook is there. Now it's like the third round is, I mean, realistically, if we're talking about potential value in the third round, like that's like where those tight ends might pop up and it's like, nice. That's exactly what he's loving right there is some Sam Laporta and Darnell Washington. And Luke that, Musgrave. Oh, feeling like you had to get like Michael Meyer would just be like, fuck. This is my first pick in the draft, and I'm taking this tight end project. Brian will find a way to spin it to be positive, but let's be honest, that sucks. We all know that feeling where he's been that whatever tight end it is has been at like the top of the ADP suggested for like 10 picks in a row. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, I guess I'm the one to to break through the dam here. And then you just you're full of regret for like the next three years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and Brian took McBride, I think last year too. So maybe he's he just going to, he's got the flow going now where he's like wide or like tight end university, you know, he's like Iowa of our league where he's always <laughs> got the next one coming up. So he never has to wait the three years because the next one is already here. I like it. It's a good role to play. It is. But I bet Brian ends up taking a tight end if I had to guess. Yeah, it's so early, you never know. But yeah, it's that 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 just that sucks being a three one now because you're that's that's tight end zone. There's no way any of them go before that pick. Maybe Kincaid because people like buy into him being a slot guy, but that's the only guy I think that has a chance. Mike agrees. Oh yeah, I well I just uh, 
you know, landing spot can always just vault some guys higher. And I think that's the individual case there, but I do agree. I mean, um, sleeper likes to project that tight ends will go earlier, but I think we just all know how that's going to go. Yeah. That's a good, I, I like that call out, Matt. That is a good one. Cause Brian three, one was looking like a tasty pick. I think pre-draft it was like mike and i were both talking about it last week of like oh dang three one would be a nice pick to have but now it's just that was another sweet part about last year's draft no tight ends until the late second you don't have to think about them i feel like that was very abnormal now we're gonna have to you know continue to think about it to echo on to that if you remember at the end of the season especially trade deadline we were giving high praise to austin for making some moves and like investing into the whole draft pick scheme Austin has four third round picks. Absolutely useless. I don't even know. Like uh, the three of us have seven of the second round picks. Austin and Brian have six of the third round. It's tough tough. luck all around. Yeah. Worse for them because we at least get first dibs on guys we like, but yeah. There were going to be some guys left over there, though. You know, maybe you're getting Zach Evans. You're like, this is the guy. And then he becomes a guy. I don't know. I don't know. Fifth round RBs is not where I want to be investing my energy into. So, well, I think it was just a bad day uh, for the three of us, you know, in terms of, I mean, a very bad day for Matt, but just in terms of like, oh, draft hype. Maybe I'll get better. Like I said, as we get closer to the season, you know. But I think even where I'm drafting, I know that there's not enough guys that bad things could happen to where it would end up being beneficial to me. I'm going to be stuck in that zone of like guys that I have to take a shot on, which I think is a good opportunity to transition us into the last portion of our podcast, the mock draft, our first one of the off season. Um, You know, I'm excited to be doing it with you too. Uh, I wish Brian was here as well because I know he would love to participate in a nice mock draft, but I know he'll be on his drive down to Seymour thinking about these picks. Um, I'll go first, even though I think it's the most boring pick. You know, I'd love to be going second, honestly, just to make some waves. Um, uh, Thank you, Mike, for showing us the draft board. But first overall, obviously, Bijan, that's my pick. It's Bijan all the way. It's been Bijan since the end of the regular season for fantasy football. Um, It's Bijan. He got great draft capital. Arthur Smith, you like that, you know, for him. And I think it's it's everything we wanted. I was on a call with Mike during the NFL draft. And when Bijan went eight, I was pumped. So I'm still feeling pumped. Um, so that's my pick. We'll go me, then we'll go Matt, and then we'll go Mike, and we'll go in that order. No snake drafts. Okay. Um, at two, thank you. Oof. I mean, I would I would go Bryce Young at two. I know the I know the ceiling is not as potentially high as Anthony Richardson's, but I just think the the path for Young. I think his floor is significantly higher. And for Austin, like the way his quarterback room is set up right now with like the uncertainty of Tannehill and Stafford, both of them being old, he needs that safe pick. Somebody that can you just put in at quarterback for the next eight, 10 years, whatever it is out in Carolina. I think that's Bryce Young. Yeah, it probably is Bryce Young. 
it's Bryce Young, but I want it to be Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I don't blame you. There's the 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 Colt in Austin, I think, is going to be the little devil's advocate on his shoulder telling him he should take Anthony Richardson, but we'll see. I, I mean, as the guy who will, I would think, likely ends up with Richardson, so, you know, I, I have every incentive to hype him up. I st- He still has such a low floor, I feel like, that, I mean, it's a real risk to take, not only as the first QB off the board, but also when you factor in um, the fact that Austin kind of needs to hit on this player. So I agree with Bryce Young going it too. It's um, objectively the right pick, but it's not fun. So, <clears throat> yeah, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, so at three, I'll go with uh, CJ Stroud. Kind of what I just said uh, about Anthony Richardson is why I would pick Stroud over him. Um, I know I, I probably, in terms of the quarterback position, have a little more room to uh, – take a risk if I only had one pick here. Um, if I did only have one pick, I'd still probably go CJ Stroud. I just like his floor um, being really high, and maybe I'm just a little OSU biased, but um, I would go Stroud here at three. I think the reason you go Stroud at three is because at the fourth pick, you know that you don't have to really pick between these QBs, so you're picking Anthony Richardson fourth overall. Very fair. And I think for you, Mike, the QB thing has worked, you know, like you take QBs and you trade them right before their value plummets. Um, And I have no doubt that you'll do that with both of these guys um, (laughs) (laughs) to one of the teams in our league. That's like going to be starting like Teddy Bridgewater at like week 13 next week. So our next year. So this adds up perfectly for you. You're not really competing this year. I think you could, if you like, took a little bit of a risk, but you're playing the slow burn in our league and taking, you know, two developmental QBs on one bad team and one decent team. I think the Colts are a decent team. They can be, um, is the right pick for now. Five. I think Sloan's in a, you know, we said he has the choice between Gibbs and JSN. Um, I, I don't think Will Levis should be at play here. The makeup of his roster is interesting because like he got rid of Devontae Adams. So you look at his wide receiver room and Brandon Ayuk is wide receiver two right now with Brandon Cooks and Gabe Davis as the next ones in line. We look at his running back room and we got an aging Dalvin Cook, like McCaffrey still in a good spot. Ramondre Stevenson is RB3. And after that, I don't even know if I can name a running back on his team. So, like, both positions of need, whichever one he values more. I don't know. Even if Cook gets traded, he's probably still starting this year. Maybe he can buy himself some time. I just think it's easier to hit on – God, I don't even know. I feel like Son's going to go JSN just because he's heard of JSN being on Ohio State. And looking at his wide receiver room and being like, God, this is really bad. It's a yeah. coin flip. It's a coin flip. No arguments there. I'll keep this one short and sweet. Um, Matt, you kind of just pick up whoever Sloan doesn't pick there. Um, I do think yeah. you'd probably benefit slightly more from JSN just based on 
mm-hmm. your receiving room versus your RB room. Um, but there's no issue here taking Gibbs. So Gibbs at six to Matt. All right. This is where it gets interesting at seven. I think it the doors, I think for the next three picks, it's going to be some variation of these three players probably would be my guess unless you guys end up going somewhere else. Probably here I'm going Quentin. I'm going Quentin Johnston, but I'm not feeling great about going Quentin Johnston because I don't love the conference he played in. I don't love his production last year, but I think he has the most upside of of the three wide receivers that are going to be left on the board. So I think it's a, it's a good pick there. And if I'm on good too, like it's nice to have the chargers receiver uh, behind Mike Williams, you know, he's getting up there a little bit and obviously pairing someone with Justin Herbert. That's a first round pick. I think that's a pretty good proposition. Uh, if he sucks, it won't be because of the quarterback's fault. So I like Quentin Johnston there. Dylan at eight is interesting. If Johnston goes, I feel like Jordan Addison would be the next one in line. But as the owner of Justin Jefferson, like how much do you buy into the passing attack of the Vikings as opposed to your alternate option is do you take a chance on Zay Flowers with – like Lamar being the one throwing the ball to Zay Flowers, like how impactful can he be? I think ultimately Dylan would go Jordan Addison just because I think there's a more clear cut route to his volume and you can at least expect something from him potentially as a flex guy. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Get the room. You already have the first guy. Like you can have two wide receivers from the same team. Mm -hmm. Next at nine is Colin. You know, he seems like someone who won't just follow ADP. Um, he'll definitely have an opinion of his own. But in this case, I think I've got him uh, just going best available with Zay Flowers. Um, personally, for me, this is a lesser tier drop-off, but a tier drop-off nonetheless uh, after Flowers. So I think he goes Flowers here uh, before a step down. Yeah. I think now is when we start getting into the like get your guy category. I think after these first nine, I think 10, it kind of, I think it opens up quite a bit too. You know, right now the 10th team is that's Austin's pick. Honestly, given the landing spots, I'm probably going to go Will Levis. Like, I think that is the, I mean, going QB, QB, you don't love it, but I don't, think Charbonnet got a good enough draft like landing spot that you're like, I have to take him over this other quarterback. So that's my pick at 10. My Matt, you're on the clock with on good at 11. You're on mute. Just so you know. On good to start round two. I mean, here you're potentially looking at a Charbonnet if you really buy into Seattle, like splitting it, or if you hear rumors. I mean, if there are rumors that he's going to overtake Walker, then his value is going to go up more. Kincaid, potentially, if you like. I mean, you put him at the tight end spot, and if he's a good wide receiver, I don't necessarily know what's going on in the Miami backfield either. Like, maybe you like a Kane or a Chain, however you say it. Um, But... Uh, I 
feel like he needs to go running back with the Kamara stuff. So I'd probably go Charbonnet and not enjoy it. Mm. Okay. Alrighty. Next we have one of Matt's many second round picks. Um, at this point, you know, I'm just going probably best skill position. Um, we talked about Kincaid being probably the best tight end option, uh, but that might be a bit early even now. So I think I'm going to go Matt choosing um, Pavana Shane from Texas A&M now on Miami. All right. I'm on the clock. Uh, 2.3. And I think it's Mingo time. I think oh, we wow. go for the I think we go for the you know highest second round wide receiver draft capital on an open team. I think you know, going for an upside wide receiver is never a bad idea. So I think that's a good time to do it. We're at me at four. Um, if I'm going running back the pick before I've gone, did I, do we have me taking Gibbs at six, two running back, running back. I feel like I need to go wide receiver here. Not going BPA, Matt. Very interesting. What do you mean? Oh, best yeah. player available. Yep. Um, honestly, in the same light that Josh just used, I would probably go Jalen Hyatt right here. Interesting. Pair him up with Daniel Jones. I, I mean, the the Giants wide receiver group gets hurt all the time. Um, it's not like uh, Kenny Galladay is going to be stealing any anything from him. Darius Slayton is like that one dude that caught a bunch of passes. I don't know. I like Hyatt. Hmm. Here at pick number five happens to be uh, what my actual pick is. So <laughs> me picking for me in... Uh, the second round, I'll go with Dalton Kincaid, best player available. Um, That's such a bullshit pick, Mike. You would never pick Dalton Kincaid there. I know for a fact that he will get picked before this, so I think for just the reality's sake of... That is so draft, bullshit. He's not going to get picked before 2.5. Okay, he's getting picked here. Okay. he. I mean, really quickly, if he's at 2.5, I'm probably taking him. I'm not even kidding you. He's effectively the slot receiver now in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And I I think there's really value there. Uh, not only is the slot receiver in Buffalo, but being that it's under the tight end label, um, just kind of the premium that can come with uh, getting somebody to hit at that position. I think he will be drafted by the mid-second round. Okay. All right, well, at 2-6, uh, I am going to go... Uh, you know, I feel like uh, Rishi Rice is kind of getting discounted for being selected to the Chiefs at this point because of what happened with Sky Moore last year. So getting the Chiefs' second-round wide receiver pick uh, at the 16th, I, I feel pretty good about that. Back to me, also picking for myself at seven. Um, gosh, like this is at the point where like every wide receiver is just kind of like throw the dartboard at what you want. What running back do you like kind of like more than anybody else? 
I would. I, this is what it's going to be like this year on draft night. We're going to use up all like two and a half, three minutes that we have. I'm not going to enjoy it, but I'd probably go Josh Downs. All right, that takes us to Dylan. Um, at- back to back third round wide receivers for Matt in the second round. This is this is very telling. So we've got Dylan at pick eight of the second round. If I can think of the perfect Dylan pick, it is a running back who should not succeed because he only has one ACL. Dylan's going to draft him anyways. He'll be all pro for five years. Give me Ty J Spears. Maybe Derrick Henry will get immediately cut after Dylan makes his draft <laughs> pick. And Ty J Spears, you know, 1,500-yard season right off the bat. I think that's probably an underestimation, but pretty close. Uh, at 2.9, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Kendra Miller, the running back from New Orleans. Uh, you know, best player available, non-tight end. Um, I think there's a, a at least a road to a workload there. I mean, it's not an easy one, but it's something. So why not fly? At 2.10, oh, Matt is up. Sorry, it's my pick, so that's why I got a little... But, yeah, I'd have two people in line for this one that I'd be interested in. If at 210, I don't know how hyped you are about, you know, we mentioned the late seconds, early third, that's where tight ends might be coming off the board. Michael Mayer's here with Waller, Darren Waller gone. Um, or, you know, we mentioned Tank Bigsby too. Um, ETN's had injury concerns, so not a, not a bad one to end on. I like... Michael Mayer more just as a complete tight end. You've got Kelsey on your team already. So Mayer can just kind of like hang out on the bench and then be your dude whenever Kelsey retires. So I'd go Mayer to round out the second round. Okay. So I know we promised three rounds at the start of this mock draft, but given that the third round is such a crapshoot, we're going to hold for now. We're also running up on our zoom call time. So we don't want to start a third one at this point. Uh, real elite podcast over here. This is like uh this is, you know, like a bill Simmons pod. I'm sure they do the same thing for that, but uh, through two rounds, let me review them real quick. We got Bijan, Bryce, CJ Stroud, Richardson, Njigba, Gibbs, Johnston, Addison, Flowers, Levis, Charbonnet, Akane, Mingo, Hyatt, Kincaid, Rice, Downs, Spears, Miller, and then Mayer. Oof. That second round is you just getting your guy. You got to get your guy there. Any Ten any, times uglier than I thought it would be. Any yeah. guy from the third round could be pulled up to the second round. And maybe that's a testament to the value of third round dynasty picks this year. I mean, you'll be stuck with whatever guys are left. But if you're good with that, then... You know, you got a shot, but it's uh, it's bleak. I think we'll have some changes. I feel like there was a lot of uh, signaling from the two of you in terms of who you're uh, and just bullshit. Like, I don't think any of you guys are going to take either of you guys are going to take these guys. So there's no way you're taking Jalen Hyatt in the start of the second round. It's just just not going to happen. What? So, no. Just, it's just so <laughs> I mean, you might as well have gone, gone like somebody like so deep in the in the board, take, like I booty. Should've, I should've, I should've like I went Kayshawn booty. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take Tank Dell. Yeah, second pick of the second round. Charlie Jones territory. Yeah, 
I think I'd go Hendon Hooker before I took Jalen Hyatt, honestly. So there's my that's an honest draft nugget that I'm willing to drop here. But uh Hendon Hooker that slow. Hendon Hooker's at play at two seven. So yeah, I think so. Well, uh, boys, this, you know, that mock is probably not helpful, but it's at least interesting to see kind of, that's my first one I've done this year. I haven't done any other mocks besides that one. So it's a pleasure to do it with the two of you. It's been great to have you both on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. I'm sure we'll do a couple more during this off season as things start to uh, shape out a little bit more for these incoming rookies. Love it. I'm ready to get hyped after we see like one random rumor at off-season minicamp, and then, you know, suddenly the second round is where everybody wants to be again. So I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yes, sir. See you. See you.